Welcome to the Barbell Lifestyle Podcast, where we bridge the gap between you and your goals with science and sustainability in your health, nutrition, mindset, and lifestyle journey. I hope you share and enjoy. What's up, guys, and welcome back to the Barbell Lifestyle Podcast. Today, we have a very special guest on our show. And just to give you some background, some context, um, this is one of my mentors in an educational space. And I'm super excited to um, actually be meeting him for the first time on this recording. But um, he is the owner and founder of the Functional Nutrition and Metabolism Specialization Certification that I'm a part of and um, is a really just just all well, all around well-rounded guy um, when it comes to coaching and nutrition and metabolism. So um, yeah, just want to say welcome to Sam Miller. Uh, thanks for being here. And if you want to just kind of intro your um, background and just kind of how you got into this space and introduce yourself to our audience. Sure. Thank you, Marissa. Uh, so my background is I've been in the health and fitness industry for probably between 15 and 17 years now, largely started with my own health journey and also some family members who had some unconventional health issues at the time, or at least to me, it seemed a little bit more unconventional. I had a pretty significant head injury in my teens, which caused me to learn a lot about endocrinology and things that a regular teenager and someone in their early 20s probably isn't necessarily studying, but it was pretty essential for me in order to really have any sort of forward progress or momentum in my own health journey and fitness transformation. And I'd already taken an interest in personal training. I was working with other folks. It was kind of always my side hustle throughout college, worked at university campus recreation. And so in addition to my studies in Bachelor of Science, I was pretty much always either training people on the side, working in nutrition stores. It was just kind of my passion and what I was into. And then couple that with my own frustrations related to my health. And I really found myself, you know, diving into this uh, at a really young age. I kind of make the joke that I was like going to the doctor and getting labs more than I was going to college parties as well. Um, but at the time it was like, not necessarily, um, you know, a lot of the tools that we have now, the accessibility in terms of things like labs or functional health testing wasn't really as popular as it is today. And so a lot of what I had to do is take bits and pieces of information from the conventional health and fitness space and combine that with Western medicine and figure out, okay, how do I sort of tailor or find an approach that's going to work best for me as an individual? And being so young, I was very focused on, well, what does this mean for the rest of my life compared to someone who's maybe in their 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, where maybe you're taking a little bit more of a reactive approach. So that's really where my passion around health, fitness, and nutrition stems from, and also you know, why I got involved so early. And then I began seeing it pop up with my clients as well, which really just kind of ignited that even further to where it ended up being, you know, the career uh, that I have today and really where I spend the bulk of my time. Yeah. So actually out of curiosity, did you start in like the online coaching space first and then create the FNMS certification and course and everything? Yeah. So I, FNMS is really born out of the idea that I wanted to create something that I felt that I needed when I was a coach that didn't exist. So when I first started coaching, you would either go to a weekend seminar, there wasn't really a lot of online mentorship, online coaching also wasn't what it was today. So to date myself and how long I've been in the industry, most coaching was happening in person at this point. If you did work with someone online, it was like over email, maybe you exchanged like a Word yeah. document or some spreadsheets, but it wasn't necessarily 
nearly as popular as it is today. It was much more common to work with a trainer at a gym. And then maybe if you like my initial online training experience was friends that I had from high school or college that maybe got deployed. And so I'd be sending them workouts in Afghanistan. Like that would be the extent of like online coaching. So it's certainly evolved. I would say between 2010 and 2015, there's a massive jump. And then from 2015 to 2020, another massive jump. And now from 2020 to 2023, especially post, um, you know, kind of everything that transpired in terms of quarantines and people staying at home uh, and everything that happened between basically 2020, 2021, I think also led to a lot of people shifting from a conventional gym environment and even personal trainers who are working in person to going online. As far as my story, so I think it was initially in high school that I took a class that was really more geared towards preparing you for a personal training certification, interest in like personal training and athletic training, knowing that uh, I had an interest to do something similar in college. And so my in-person experience probably started around the time I was like 17 or 18, and then continued forward working as either fitness supervisor, personal trainer, or eventually becoming like a coordinator of personal training at the university that I went to, and was doing a lot of in-person training and nutrition. But education at that time in the space was really, you would either go to a weekend seminar or they would ship you a textbook, you would study the textbook and you'd go to like a proctored facility and take an exam. There wasn't a lot of um, formal sort of mentorship programs or live education that you could get online via something like Zoom or, you know, Google Meets or whatever the case may be. So dating, you know, kind of going back to that, my initial exposure was, you know, really finding mentors in the space who really didn't even have an online presence. It was either through local connections or internet forums were really popular in health and fitness at that time. And so even some of my friends to this day um, who have become like significantly more accomplished in the health and fitness space really started from places like those internet forums. And even a lot of the apps that we use today for like online training, like my fitness pal and all that stuff didn't necessarily exist or chronometer didn't really exist. It was like fit day PC for tracking your macros, if you were lucky. And really, a lot of evolution has happened since then. So I worked as a coach or trainer for over a decade. um, And where FNMS stemmed from and the education around nutrition, metabolism and functional health was really more the angle of one, um, I think, if I needed that, when I started in my career, I felt that other coaches could benefit and likely needed it too. And there was a point in my career, really between like 2015 and 2020, where gradually more and more of my clients who were nutrition coaching clients were becoming coaches. So if mm-hmm. I looked at my roster at any given time, 60 to 70% of the individuals who were receiving coaching from me were actually fitness professionals or nutrition coaches or some form of, uh, you know, CrossFit coach or strength and conditioning coach, some sort of health fitness nutrition professional. Yeah. And they were using a lot of that information with their clients. And I had a lot of folks who would ask for things like mentorship or ask for case studies around their clients. And so Mm. that later evolved into sort of the first version of group mentorship that we had in a live setting, which we did over Zoom, and then sort of progressing it over and over and different iterations until it became the program that it is today. Uh, But certainly my experience really originated with my own health journey and then coaching others through both personal training and nutrition in person and then online. And then with the bulk of those clients becoming coaches, that was really the impetus to start a program for coaches and really more of like the 
current capacity that we exist in, which is more like business to business and providing um, the experience that obviously you've been a part of and working with coaches around the globe. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and I think it's, you know, it goes to show like when something's born out of necessity, like you can just feel that the roots are dug really deep like that. Um, and I mean, just to fast forward to today, like just for some context for our listeners, like FNMS, uh, for me, I joined at the beginning of 2023. And it's something that I've kind of, I mean, honestly done without for, for many years now, but like functional health started becoming this thing in this industry, which I know we'll talk about that everybody was talking about. And, you know, everybody's talking about hormones and gut and autoimmune diseases and all these things. And, you know, of course, as a coach over the years, I've had clients that just were really resistant to seeing results, even when we're auditing all their food logs and all their training and their stress and their sleep and their mental health and their lifestyle. And it's like, well, like it's not, nothing gives like what's going on. So this, I knew was like the next step but um, I was very, very, very picky when I was trying to figure out like where I wanted to go when it came to functional health, because I was aware of a few different programs, certifications, mentorships, et cetera. And I went on a number of calls like to just discover what was out there. And like, I just had a really like, no pun intended, weird gut feeling with a lot of them. <laughs> and just something didn't like sit right with me, even though like I loved the people that were like putting on the the mentorship and all of that stuff. But I, when I had the call with, um, with one of your team members, I just remember like, it was the last one that I, the last call that I was on. And at this point I had just this weird gut feeling from all the other calls lingering. And I was like, well, what about this? What about this? Well, what the heck is a flush? And like, I just was like, I was just exhausting every last skepticism with this person. I felt so, <laughs> but, um, but then I was like, yeah, yeah, here's, here's my credit card. And I'm really, really glad that I did that because um, everything that you guys teach is very much in alignment with true evidence-based practice and, and treating a client like a client and not like some diagnosis. So um, I guess just to, you know, give you some kudos. I mean, the, the course itself is one of the most thorough things that I've ever gone through in terms of nutrition and metabolism education. And I've, I've done a lot of certifications. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, kudos to you, but I guess if you want to just give us the lowdown for our listeners, like what is the, uh, what is functional health just in general? Well, first and foremost, I really appreciate you sharing the experience. And um, I appreciate that you were skeptical of some of the other interactions that you had. And I think it's important just to kind of rewind before we dive all the way into what functional yeah. health is or functional medicine, functional nutrition. I think, unfortunately, there's this massive gap right now that exists between uh, health and fitness professionals who are maybe more into macros and exercise programming, strength and conditioning, and even the strength and conditioning evidence base around exercise programming, periodization, progressive overload, things like that. Then on the other side of the equation, you have sort of Western medicine, and there's certainly evidence for some of those practices, but it's not necessarily preventive in terms of being mindful of someone's current health and using lifestyle medicine and health optimization to really solve those problems. And then we have more the functional and holistic integrative side of things, which at times people can sort of have a bad taste in their mouth, especially if you come from more the macros, calorie counting, strength and conditioning evidence base, because you're like, wait, so 
you want me to like buy incense and crystals and I'm supposed to do this like sort of like sound bathing ceremony and this is going to make me feel better. So I totally appreciate where you're coming from. And so I don't think that, you know, it's not that all of these areas are completely entirely 100% off base, right? They each have a mix of anecdote and evidence-based practices that can be incorporated into a methodology that serves the clients in the highest capacity. And so for me, I don't view it as, well, this person over here is a Looney Tune and this person over here is just like too rigid with their evidence over here. It's like, well, what can I learn from that person and apply and take with me on my journey to basically coach others and serve people in their transformation or just adopt for my own health in order for me to feel better and make more progress, right? So I think we have to be curious and sort of have that a little bit of a white belt mentality in the sense that we're trying to improve, we're trying to get better. And then with that attitude, we can then serve our clients and coach at a really high level. Now, I do think that as much as there may be lessons that we can draw from each area, there's also things that I I believe are done somewhat incorrectly. And part of that is just part of my personal philosophy. And you can sort of agree to disagree. It doesn't mean that that person's a terrible person. It doesn't mean that like they don't help anyone. It just means my personal philosophy and approach to a case may be different than their approach. So you kind of have to move to then, okay, what is, and this is really a conversation around evidence-based coaching in general, is you have to combine evidence-based and research, what the client has experienced in their lifetime and their health history, and then also your journey as a coach, what you've seen from a clinical perspective in your ability to help someone. Because if you know that you've worked with something a, a case that's very similar, a person that's very similar in the past, it would be unfair to the client to leave that information out and not serve them just because there's a research paper that, that or there's not a research paper that talks about their condition, right? So I think anecdotal experience still matters, but we have to combine it with actual science, evidence, and research. And then the client's end of one experience is still valid because that's the perception through which they view the world and participate in their transformation, right? So we don't want to poo-poo the client's health history and say, oh, you know, that doesn't matter because to them, that's their entire life. That's their entire world. So we need yeah. to take the bits and pieces from the client. We need to take part of our clinical experience. And then we need to take the research and evidence and sort of fuse it together in a way that informs the best possible coaching for the individual. And with that, I'll kind of dive into my definition or approach. And this has evolved over time because now even the terms functional and integrative sort of leave a bad taste in my mouth because I think they've mm-hmm. been sort of butchered and and configured in a way largely for uh, sell-through and marketing purposes for people to monetize programs or coaching experiences. And that's really unfortunate. So, you know, to me, I would think of functional health or integrative health, functional nutrition, functional medicine, really as focused on finding the root cause or origin point of someone's sort of frustrations or obstacles with their health or transformation. So if someone is experiencing some digestive distress or discomfort, what can we find out or reverse engineer from their lifestyle, nutrition, training, overall health behaviors, routines, rituals, to kind of unpack what's going on for that person, and then adopt an approach that's focused on addressing the primary needle mover as far as what's causing either their symptoms or discomfort if it's something like weight loss resistance, right, or someone's experiencing some difficulty in terms of accomplishing their body composition goals, right, can we identify the re- the primary reason for that and really what has led to that? Is it a chronic dieting history? Is it there's something going on uh, in terms of their physiology and blood chemistry that we need to unpack, right? So those are just a few examples 
obviously we could dive into things like autoimmunity and other more complex health concerns. But the bottom line is I think the original intention of the word functional or integrative is really just to take a comprehensive approach where we're considering the person's journey up until this point and what past habits, behaviors, choices, routines, and rituals contributed to their current health status quo. That's sort of my definition. I don't really think that's a consensus industry definition. I've evolved and changed in my terminology to where now I view it as looking at a client from a 360 degree viewpoint of all the different factors in their life that are impacting their health, their entire health history up until this point, which includes their choices and past diets they've followed, past exercise, you know, really anything related to their health behaviors or even things that aren't really health behaviors or that are detrimental to their health that have led to the current circumstances that they have and basically their physiological status quo, which to me, that's like what a lot of people in the industry would refer to as like your metabolism or metabolic health or Mm -hmm. your hormonal health. That's just, to me, that's kind of what I mean by like physiology and, and where you are at this given moment. So I would add on the functional and integrative portion that we're really looking, the reason 360 degrees is so important is because right now, when it comes to terms like functional, holistic, integrative, there's a lot of practitioners in that space that are just providing like a laundry list of supplements, which to me is not that different from Western medicine. Whereas you go into a physician's office and they give you a prescription, you leave with the prescription, you go to your pharmacy, you go home and you take a pill. That's not that different than getting a list of 17 supplements going online, putting it in your shopping cart and it shows up at your house and you start taking those pills. One may be an herbal sort of solution, or it might be quote unquote natural. It's not maybe, uh, you know, synthetic or man-made to use definitions and terms that pop up in our industry. However, the problem is it's, it's labeling the person with this issue and problem that makes them feel broken. And then you're assigning them this, okay, here's a pill and go take all these things. And this protocol is the solution to your woes. Whereas in my opinion, the root of functional health, functional medicine, nutrition, integrative health, whatever buzzwords you want to use, I really don't care about the buzzwords at this point. What's most important to me is we use, and I'm I'm generally pro evidence-based supplementation, but the key is, is that the client has to understand that that's just one tool as part of the transformation. And ultimately they are responsible. They have autonomy and the ability and the strength to improve their own health to quote unquote heal themselves. Uh, I don't love using the word like heal or healing, but people can be their own solution to what's going on in their life. It doesn't need to exist outside of them in a pill form, whether that's from a Western medicine practitioner or a functional health provider. So to me, where I think we've drifted astray when it comes to functional health is really just like having that approach of like, okay, here's your protocol or whatever buzzword you want to call it. And then here's 17 different supplements that you're going to go take. And like I said, I'm generally pro evidence-based supplementation, but if the client thinks that that's the only portion of the equation that's driving the progress, it's not really a long-term solution. They need to understand how behaviors like chronic dieting or their stress in their life or poor sleep contributed to something like a digestive issue, why it's there, and then why we're using the digestive supplementation or support that we're using to help remedy the given challenge that they're facing instead of thinking like, okay, well, I just fall, I just rinse and repeat this routine anytime I have a digestive problem. And then like, voila, magic, I'm all of a sudden feeling better. So 
those are kind of the different uh, definitions or categories I would sort of work through when defining those terms and then how I maybe differ from some of the buzzwords that are being thrown around right now um, in the space as a whole, uh, which is really why most of my content focuses on bridging the gap between all these different professionals and trying to help people learn and take evidence from each area and adopt approach that's going to be best for them versus having to subscribe to a singular method or ideology that seems like uh, a lot of times people portray it in a way that it's like functional health can easily become this situation where if someone doesn't believe that they're responsible for their own healing, they think that the coach or the educator is responsible for their healing. And it's very easy for those individuals where it really kind of comes across as like a bit of a God complex in a way, yeah. um, for lack of a better word. And that also bothers me too, because then you're you're removing, there's a huge psychological consequence to that when it comes to the client and their future health behaviors. So I'll stop ranting now. Yeah. Kind of pushed a button where I was like, okay, this is something that's really frustrating in the industry right now. Yeah. It's for a number of different reasons. It's it's the client's mindset, but also their health and their ability to sustain that improved health over their lifetime. Yeah. Well, I think what it comes down to is like, there's so much in that, but I think what it comes down to is, is the person, the client, right. And like the, the problem with where functional health has been going is going is it's removing the empowerment from like taking control of your health and the journey. And so that 360 view, I feel like it's like truly what the word holistic means is like looking at the person through and through. And maybe that means like for some people, we just need to look deeper than others. If we cover the macros, the training and the habits and the mental side, and we're still not seeing the results. Okay. Then we go look at the labs. Then we go look at other things that maybe in the past for like myself and like how I came up in the industry, like felt out of scope because I like came up in like strength and conditioning and like personal training where like nutrition was almost out of scope at one point. Um, and so going into labs is like, um, but it was kind of unworking those beliefs to just be like, I'm here to help this person. And kind of my mentality around it is like, I'm here to help this person figure their shit out. And like, I'm going to do whatever I need to do to find the root cause for them. And for them, like the, and for me, the guidance from you guys has been great because it's like, well, we look it's kind of pointing me in the right direction of where do we look versus just slapping the word you used over and over again was like slapping a protocol on it. Right. It's like, here's the protocol. It's these, like these supplements, this flush this, that, like all these kind of buzzwords. And it's like, I don't know what any of that is. All I know is that like this person has a vitamin deficiency and like, that's what we've been addressing this whole time. It's like our clients have been seeing great results and I haven't thrown out a single diagnosis, which definitely isn't within our scope as coaches to do. Um, so I think it's just like really taking the true meaning of what holistic and integrative is supposed to be, um, and just putting the human first. For sure. And, you know, you could just kind of view it as a bit of a biochemistry report card in a way, or like blood chemistry report card. I think where the scope aspect comes in, right, is like a coach shouldn't necessarily be, they would just point blank, like shouldn't be diagnosing things, shouldn't be making any changes related to a client's medication or anything like that. But you can educate the client on why they might be seeing those deviations and then serve as an advocate for that person to go get yeah. additional information, follow-up testing, whatever the case may be. So 
if you are a proponent of gathering biofeedback or training data or how someone's doing in the gym or other areas of their life, it's just another piece of information. I think yeah. the difference between the successful and responsible coach and the person who's maybe irresponsible or unsuccessful with the client is really how the information is used. Because same thing, going back to personal training, strength and conditioning, where you came from, two different coaches could get the same data from the client about a given you know, gym performance or what happened on a given day. Even if you're a personal training in person, how someone might train someone and modify on the fly based on how someone came into the gym that day, let's say they didn't sleep well, or they have like a newborn at home, right? You know, someone who's an experienced coach is probably going to make some adjustments to make sure that the client gets the most out of the training session in the safest way possible that still allows them to progress forward. So for those of you who are more familiar with maybe the training side of things, that's the analogy that I would use is... It's not that we're not making lifestyle recommendations, nutrition recommendations, training re recommendations. We are. We just make more targeted and more specific recommendations with more evidence as a result of the information we have. And we ask better follow-up questions that lead to more strategic behavior change over time. And then we also have the ability to ask follow-up questions and then do certain things with the client that then may encourage them to go see another healthcare professional, another part of their sort of medical team, right? And maybe they do need a change to a prescription or something, right? And that's where the physician and the pharmacist would come into play. But the coach may be sort of the liaison between these other health professionals, simply encouraging the clients to get more information and have uh a quality conversation with these other professionals. It doesn't necessarily mean you need to step outside of the boundaries of your expertise, which may be training and nutrition. Just use the information to make better training and nutrition decisions. If I am coaching a dude who has super low testosterone levels, he's probably not going to perform the same as a guy who's you know completely optimized or maybe even on, even on performance enhancing drugs. It, it's the same, and someone doesn't need to be unhealthy to benefit from labs either. If you're a healthy individual, get your labs done now. So if five years from now you have health issues, you have a baseline of when you felt your best. If you feel great right now, or even if you're an athlete right now, get your labs done because then two years down the line, three years down the line, you never know when you're going to want that information to be able to contrast even looking at, okay, what went wrong or, or what was the problem, what sort of deviated um, from, from when I was healthy, from when I did feel good. So labs aren't just for people who feel unwell or who have uh, poor biofeedback. It's also, it's a pulse check for the healthy individual or the athlete, and it's a way to optimize, right? So it's to go, if you have your baseline, it's a way to achieve beyond the baseline, not just correct deficiencies. I do agree yeah. 100%, Marissa, it can be incredibly valuable to address a deficiency or make someone feel better. Or maybe we see something like, oh, their vitamin D is off or RBC magnesium could use, uh, you know, we need to bolster this over here. Or maybe there's some signs uh, they're a vegan client, they're not getting enough zinc. And we also, same thing with that vitamin D issue. We can compare that information from an intake form, someone's past diet style using the vegan dieter as an example and say, okay, here's some changes we need to make to your nutrition and maybe some complementary supplementation that's going to work really well with this approach to get you to feel your best, right? That's maybe the person with a deficiency. And then we have the person who's doing okay, but they just want to feel their best. They want to be optimal. They want to live longer. They want to um, you know, be around for their kids. They want to feel great. They want to have high energy, performance in the gym, libido, all of those different things. And we can use that information to do that too. So it's it's not only 
correcting a problem, but it's also taking someone who's okay and bringing them to good and taking someone who's good and bringing them to great. It's really just how we're using the tool uh, and that point of data. So I'm really glad you mentioned that as well uh, and understanding like how it can fit into someone's arsenal and still be used responsibly in a way that's not reckless or detrimental to the client's well-being. I love your definition of functional health. I know this is like 10 minutes later, <laughs> um, but, and, and the idea of advocating for our clients. And I would say, you know, because I think all, all of us have been in the coaching space for a very long time. So we've kind of seen the progression of clients and like how it's just like kind of macros and fitness to kind of where it is now. And I would argue that a lot of people are becoming more aware of functional health and kind of the importance of gut health and their hormones being optimized, like you were saying. And they're finding that frustration when they go to their providers who won't run labs if they're not feeling well. Um, and kind of that, well, I don't know if it's necessarily like gatekeeping, but it's just, there's, there's a barrier and like, they don't have the terminology or they don't have the confidence to I don't want to say challenge their provider, but advocate for themselves and say, Hey, no, I'm not feeling well. My hair is thinning. I'm not sleeping well. My libido is low. Like I would love to have labs run. Can you run, you know, X, Y, Z. I'd love a full thyroid panel. I'd love a full sex hormone panel. Like being able to say that they have that confidence and can, um, especially with the, with the help of their coach to be able to, to get those things that they need. And so I, I love that clients have this functional health understanding that I don't want to just go to a doctor and get prescribed something and slap a bandaid on my symptoms. I want to get to the root cause, which I, I really, really love and appreciate. Um, but kind of going into that skepticism where it's like, now you have everyone on Instagram as a gut health coach, or that, you know, they work with clients with PCOS. And I would say that there has been a huge boom in the industry. And I don't know if it was from 2020 or, you know, everything that happened where everyone moved online, or if it's, a marketing thing where they feel like everyone is a health and fitness coach. So now they have to, you know, define themselves and have that like, well, I do this, this is what I help with. And if there's more of, of a boom from that, because they know that like, okay, everyone is becoming more aware. So I have to set myself apart and kind of stand out as a coach. Definitely mm -hmm. the second part for sure. And that was happening <laughs> even before 2020. I yeah. think people there's a couple layers to this. And I also noticed you, you guys uh, did the interview with, with the author from the big leap. And so talking about kind of that yeah. problem and different things like that, I do think a lot of coaches are doing it because they think they need to, but my concern is they're not necessarily in a place where they can do so in the most responsible value added way. They're basically taking information they've seen or heard, and then trying to portray that they're at that level of knowledge because they're concerned that if they just do what they know how to do, that they won't necessarily get like the clients that they want, which I think misses, really misses the point. Now, I would say there's a subset of individuals in that category where they've truly had some experiences of their own that have led them down that path. But my concern is that's like a bikini competitor who competes one time at a regional show places and then says, okay, I'm a, I'm a bikini prep coach, right? It's like, no, well, you, you successfully competed one time, but like, you should probably get a little bit more insight and information before you start marketing yourself as like a prep coach, right? It's the same thing for people who, oh, I had 
something post-birth control or PCOS, so I'm going to market myself that way. Um, I certainly experienced health issues and challenges, but I probably had about a decade of mentorship and coaching experience before I really was like targeted in the way that I am now, as far as information in the space. So I'd really encourage people to be responsible with how they're marketing and how they're um, de deploying that information. Because ultimately, if a client signs up with you and you're not able to provide at that level, it becomes a massive issue in terms of churn and client turnover and retention and you're upsetting people and there's like unfulfilled expectations in that regard. So definitely from Christina's point, I do think um, a huge part of it is the marketing and sales aspect for sure. And as far as really my definition has evolved more to focus on health optimization and lifestyle medicine, because is I think functional and integrative, as much as I tend to find myself teaching concepts that fall into those buckets in terms of our subset of the industry, I think regardless of whether you have that, you know, uh, long, like whatever symptoms you may have, like you mentioned, losing, whether it's losing hair or not having libido, hormones being off, wanting additional testing, I think that still falls within the realm of terminology that I'm speaking to. And I feel like it's important to categorize how how important lifestyle is in terms of being your own solution to what you're experiencing. And that's, that's a difficult place to be in your transformation because you're taking responsibility and ownership for your past mistakes that have led to your current health, but it's incredibly empowering at the same time, because it means that, okay, part of this that I'm facing is because of my own bullshit. And I can get better simply by improving myself, my habits, routines, and rituals, and the choices that I make are going to be directly correlated with my ability to feel better, heal, and improve the symptoms that I have. So I like, that's kind of where I'm shifting is like the 360 approach and health yeah. optimization and lifestyle medicine. I still think that there's a ton of value that can be added. And obviously my program is still called the functional nutrition metabolism specialization. But as far as, you know, one of the reasons why I'm kind of putting that under this umbrella of metabolism school and other things is like, I want people to understand the role of metabolic health in terms of biofeedback, performance, longevity, quality of life, all of those different things, but being able to look at it from multiple lenses, not just well, here's a functional nutrition supplement, or here's, you know, something that falls into that realm or using certain buzzwords that are specific to our industry. So I'd say, you know, Christina, hundred percent agree. A lot of this is driven by marketing and sales. Um, and then I do think a, the reason there's such a need for this is that frustration that you mentioned where a client goes in to their medical provider, they can't get the information they need. And I really think coaches are a combination of like, we can be fantastic at gathering information about the client. We have more touch points, deeper communication, more profound in-depth relationships with these clients than anyone who's meeting with them for 15 minutes for an annual physical is ever going to have. And you know things about their life that allow you to almost be like a fly on the wall. You know, you know about the meal and the after-school pickup line when they go to pick up Timmy at school and, and what that meant in terms of their digestion. Like no one else is talking to these people on that level, probably not even their friends, their spouse, their sister, their family members. And so as a coach, you're in such an important role in someone's life and you know things about the person that previously they may have not even known about themselves. So you're in this very unique position and capacity to help someone and also, I, I, that's why I think it's so important to responsibly deploy that information, but then also be an advocate for people in terms of their own health is largely because of everything I just listed. So there is a uniqueness to the coaching relationship. And that's why uh, I think what you described, the, the inappropriate marketing and sales can be so dangerous because people put their 
hopes and dreams and trust in a coach, and then those expectations aren't fulfilled. That's problem number one. Problem two is they're not deploying the information responsibly, and they have this close relationship. Um, or there's just like an overall misunderstanding of how to help them in that given situation. But the good thing is, is for the coach that does this responsibly and does focus on health optimization and lifestyle medicine, you have a greater ability to help this person than probably anyone that they've ever interacted with or touched in their entire life. So that to me is meaningful. It's, it's for, you know, I, I think obviously you guys are very women's health centric. So for me, one of my most meaningful experiences is to have a woman who wanted to get ready for a wedding, but also come off of birth control was having hormonal dysregulation, um, you know, and ovulatory cycles, hair loss, all of the symptoms that you articulated, but she had these goals of like, she wanted to look good for a wedding, but she also had goals of trying to conceive and at the time was struggling with infertility. So to me, to be the coach that's able to help with that aspect for one of the biggest moments in her entire life, and then for them to be able to have a baby within a year of that time period and her successfully have a family now, that's way more important than uh, like, not to be um, dismissive of like a weight loss goal, but those are two like key moments in someone's entire life. And that to me is that's truly life-changing as much as like, I do want people to feel more confident if they want to lose scale weight, if they want better body composition, like that's fantastic. And I still support that and want that for people, but the depth of relationship, if you compare those two scenarios, who is the client going to remember a decade from now? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's just the way that I, I kind of think about it. And I think that's why coaches have the capacity to help people um, in such, such an incredible level and that doesn't mean that they're not working with other health providers. It just means the coaching relationship is special. Hey, hey, if you're not driving and you're liking this episode, just take two seconds and support our show by giving it a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. These ratings and reviews just allow us to bring more knowledgeable and influential people onto this show for you to learn everything possible about science and sustainability with respect to your goals. And if you like this episode, just screenshot it and tag us on Instagram to show your support. One share really could be the catalyst for someone in your life to transform their body, their health, and their fitness for good. And of course, it helps our show grow too, and we appreciate that. All right, back to the show. Absolutely. And it's so much more important than, you know, being a being a coach that works with all those things and treats the client as a client rather than some crazy hormone case is more important than being able to charge an extra thousand dollars a month because you're a functional medicine specialist which yeah. like i would just hate to be actually starting a business during this time because there is so much pressure to like make the money and do the marketing and do the sales compared to when Christine and I started 2016, 2017, there wasn't as much of that, thank God. And it could just be Excel sheets and email and getting to know people. Yeah. But I there's nothing wrong said. with like the monetization. I don't, I don't want yeah. it to seem like I'm anti, if you can provide a higher level service and more value for your clients. And that means that it's a different offer than what another coach has kudos to you for being able to do that. I'm not against yeah. so long as the service is in alignment with what your marketing and sales are. I think what I was trying to articulate is based on Christina's question, people who are getting into that marketing, who aren't necessarily providing the level of service that's aligned with the terminology they're using or the pricing yeah. that they're portraying. So yeah. I'm very, I, I think 
getting into this arena of coaching does have the ability to drastically change someone's financial circumstance so long as it's responsibly used and actually helps the client. Because if yeah. you're only using it for marketing and sales, you're going to be in a situation where it works for a very short period of time, and then it's going to impact your reputation, your ability to make future sales because you'll have unhappy clients. So I'm all for people using it to enhance their financial well-being and, and ability to have a sustainable business in the health and fitness space. But it just has to be used in a way that's, um, if that's what's being portrayed on social media, that ideally on the back end of your business, that there are things going on in the coaching relationship that match that just to where the client experience is where it should be. And if you're not there yet, that's, it's, it's okay to like get experience with helping someone with basic lifestyle change, behavior change, eating more protein, going for walk. Like there's nothing wrong with starting there. And I think we also have to give coaches permission to like, if that's where you are, then just you market to people who are in a little bit more beginner infancy stage of their fitness journey and, or providing people with workouts and stuff. That's not a bad thing. It just, yeah. the onus is on you to get the education to where you're actually qualified to do that and oh, yeah. have the tools that you need to do that successfully. Um, but yeah, hundred percent things have changed. So if you guys started around 2016, 2017, right, it's like six, seven years of change within the industry. And I think it's, I want to say this particular segment that we're talking about has grown like six to eight X, like in the last five years, Google searches have increased 5,000% yeah. for, for what we're talking about. So there's definitely been massive growth. And so people feel pressure because of that for sure. Yeah, absolutely. It's yeah, definitely like, I mean, go make money, right. If you're qualified to do those types of things, but it's like, I, I remember a distinct post, um, Christine and I are in the same like business mentorship group. And I remember seeing a distinct post of someone who basically said like, I want to market to like, like starting their business. I want to market to people who have PCOS. Like, where can I find information to learn about this? It's like, that's not where you start. <laughs> um, but I love what you said though, about advocating for the client and how the, the whole conversations about the client and advocating for them in the first place, um, specifically uh, taking responsibility for your thoughts, actions, behaviors, um, your lifestyle, how you manage stress uh, in comparison to like, as a coach, we have this pretty sacred role of like, we know the depths of people. We're often like my, like the thing that like makes my day is like when I'm the first person outside of someone's husband to know that someone's pregnant because it's like well I figured I should tell you but I can't tell anyone else so like keep it under wraps right and it's like that's how you know like you're so close to that person um and so we have this like really sacred role in someone's life and so to kind of like using your words like misuse that role and misuse this knowledge to try to diagnose somebody or treat them like a case or like a diagnosis, like you are now Hashimoto's camp, you are now PCOS camp, and that is what you are. It does a disservice, like you said, psychologically, right, of taking away the ownership of something that I did got me here. So something that I can do can get me out versus um, like just being like, well, now this is this is what you do. This is who you are. And there's almost like an identity built around it. Actually, I think Christina said it best in your own like personal experience, like how you've seen the differences. So I'll, I'll kick that back over to you. Yeah. So I am 16 months postpartum and I had to advocate for myself to get labs. I knew I was still breastfeeding, but I was like, Hey, I just, 
would like to know, cause I either want to prep <laughs> or I want to have another baby and just want to see where things are. And, uh, they were like, no, why? <laughs> so I had to fight for myself. I had to advocate and say, these are all the things I'd like run. Um, they told me to get it done at a different point in my cycle. And I was like, no, I'm going to do it my way. Um, <laughs> but I was diag Well, I guess technically I was diagnosed with subclinical hypothyroidism and, I like, it was just something that appeared in my client portal and there was no other discussions other than, yeah, we can put you on some medicine. That was it. <laughs> so I, I just thought it was so funny. And so I have a, a coach who works under me, same thing, uh, hypothyroidism and Hashimoto's and our kind of train of thought was like, okay, I'm still just going to go about my normal life and nothing's really going to change a whole lot, but like, I'm still going to do what I can to advocate for myself versus some people. And I don't know if this has anything to do with how practitioners kind of deliver the information of like, oh, now you are someone like you have Hashimoto's, like you, you know, you have hypothyroidism, like this is your identity. Here's all the things we need to do versus like, yeah, like your labs aren't as optimal. Um, technically like you're in this range, but like, let's see what we can do to move you out or like what we can do. And so I feel like two people can have the exact kind of same diagnosis, but it's delivered in a different way and how it's managed is very different. And I feel like that has a huge, huge role and how the rest of someone's life can go. For sure. And everything you just mentioned and every term, every condition that you listed, what we have to remember with some of these conditions is they're basically Western medicine criteria to use for a standard of care where that can be powerful for your own health journey though, is just understanding how the cluster of symptoms is related and how it may tie to your health history and previous health behaviors. And so that's a huge problem in both Western medicine and some of this other stuff that we're talking about in other areas of the industry is when you use these labels and you have diagnostic criteria, someone is more likely to essentially label themselves as that. They identify as that. And that quite literally exists in opposition of the identity they need to have to get better, right? So it's yes. like, we don't want to adopt and label ourselves as this broken person, as this broken thing. It's really just, I'm experiencing this cluster of symptoms. And if we understand where the label comes from, why it exists and Western medicine classifications are largely used to create the standard of care and the appropriate prescription guidelines for physicians, that doesn't necessarily mean that's how I'm going to use it for training, nutrition, and lifestyle intervention. And then for yeah. the clients, it's very disempowering to have that label assigned, let alone what you just described, which was you received a diagnosis or a label and you didn't even really receive education around the label, what it meant and how it connected back to the health data that was provided for you, which is absolutely worst case scenario because now the person sees the term, they're like, I have this, or I've been told that I have this, but there's no rhyme or reason behind it, no education or guidance as to how I alleviate or circumvent this problem or obstacle that I'm facing as it pertains to my health. So for me, incredibly frustrating. That's something I see all the time. And I think there's multiple issues to it. One is the lack of education. And then the other is simply the lack of information around the label and not understanding what 
that label or terminology may do to a person when not paired with the appropriate education and understanding what they can do in the future in terms of changing their behavior, their choices, and how that plays a role in terms of remedying the entire situation. And a lot of people also don't understand that lab values are transient and may change. So it's not a permanent thing. I'm not always going to be at a 1.8 free T3 or an XYZ, you know, TSH or whatever the value may be, or this is my fasted glucose, fasted insulin. Those numbers will change depending on your nutrition, your sleep, your train, so many other things in your life. Uh, we talked about micronutrients earlier, right? So these aren't fixed things and we have the ability to change them. And so when you just see things pop up in a portal with a label on it, with no education whatsoever, you know, it's no wonder why people feel frustrated. And then they begin to go down like the WebMD Google rabbit hole of what the label is. And then they feel even more broken, right? And then they think about all the things that are wrong and the symptoms that they have, and they're checking off the symptoms that they have relative to what the internet says that someone with that condition has. And that's not positive or productive in terms of them actually feeling better, right? So that's where coaches, when you add that educational layer to things and then helping someone understand how they navigate um, in their own life to actually make things better, even you know, from a non-medical capacity, I think is so powerful. And it really can be the difference between someone feeling like they have their feet underneath them and they have solid ground to stand on versus feeling totally overwhelmed and lost when it comes to their health. Yeah. yeah. And I, and Marissa and I were talking about this off air earlier. It's like a lot of people take a diagnosis and then it just becomes their identity where it's like everything, I can't lose weight because of this, like this won't work for me because of this and, and kind of that victim mentality. So that's why I think a coach and a provider has such a, a huge, a critical role in someone's ability to see results or not because of how they can work together to, to combat, like you said, the symptoms and mitigate everything and figure out a plan of action. And it's not just some random coach who's like, okay, well now you're on this gut protocol, or now you're on this Hashimoto's protocol. And this is what we do. It's, it's more of like, Hey, here are all the things that you can control that will help in this situation, which is one of the things I really love about you, Sam. It's like, you know, you, you're, you're obviously brilliant when it comes to, um, to functional health, but you're still like, Hey, but at the core, we got to make sure we're not chronically dieting. we got to make sure that sleep's a priority. <laughs> we're not, you know, we're, we're, uh, resistance training. We're not doing all this cardio. We're not, you know, having, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Plug the book. <laughs> yeah. Plug the book. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, I didn't need to. I was just saying that's like, you know, kind of my, uh, I feel like I am the person who's like trying to hold the megaphone and address the low hanging fruit. Right. But um, so for those of you not watching on zoom and maybe listening to this in a podcast format, I was just teasing and holding up, uh, my book cover, but Christina, I think that's, it's so important that you, you shared that. And also I do want people to realize that even though I may present education in relationship to certain areas of the health industry that we talked about today, a lot of that information came from a place of necessity in terms of my own health and fitness journey, and also helping others in terms of their journey. I was not born with this information. My mom didn't birth me. And I was like, you know, I'm in the hospital as like an eight pound, 12 ounce baby with like knowledge about <laughs> functional medicine or health optimization or anything like that. So if you're in a situation where you are, whether you are trying to improve your own health or coach others, and you may be frustrated or overwhelmed with the amount of information out there, I promise you and encourage you to continue. And, and as much as 
the industry is like can be a bit of a confusing, conflicting place at times. I think one thing that my team and I really try to do is break down this information into a digestible way that can actually serve as leverage for someone's goals versus them feeling defeated, overwhelmed, throwing their hands up in the air and saying, I give up, like I'm not actually, you know, I'm just going to take whatever medicine for the rest of my life. Not, I mean, some people do need life-saving medication. So I'm not saying, you know, don't change anything that you're doing as a result of this podcast. But for some people, I just want to avoid that kind of like sit back, throw my hands up. I have no power um, because unfortunately, both Western medicine, some health and fitness professionals, when they're just constantly arguing about topics to boost their own uh, content in the algorithm, the Western medicine providers and the functional health providers. Now it's like everybody's screaming from a mountaintop. Everybody's arguing with each other and everybody's sharing information like above the level of the person that actually needs to receive it. And it's no wonder that people aren't necessarily getting healthier, right? So um, in terms of what I held up, that was my book, Metabolism Made Simple, Making Sense of Nutrition to Transform Metabolic Health. That was sort of a project of mine because I wanted something for both coaches and clients to be able to tangibly benefit from and break down some of just just the ways that I think about things, right? So I think what's far more important than being able to regurgitate information is being able to critically think about a problem that's in front of you, whether it's your own health and your own obstacle that you're facing, or if you're a coach who works with a client and they're facing something as well, right? A lot of it is how we think about things, how we break down information, how we use the tools that we have at our disposal. And so there's so many diet books out there. There's so many different, like follow this meal plan or do this nutrition thing or cut out this food versus just understanding metabolism, understanding nutrition, how do I think about it? And what are the consequences of the different decisions that I make? And what are the, you know, the benefits of the different decisions that I make? So that was kind of my, um, my little joke earlier in terms of what I was holding up. And also a lot of what we do in terms of uh, our involvement with coaches like Marissa is trying to provide that education in a way that's actually impactful, integrated into your coaching practice and applicable versus just oh, I'm going and reading this textbook about physiology and I have absolutely no idea how to have a conversation with a client because that's certainly not going to do anything either. Uh, and really where I'm at right now is trying to, you know, I do still want to push the more preventive health side of things forward, but now it feels almost as if we have this uh, challenge of of Western medicine and lack of education around health and fitness. We have health and fitness providers who largely spend a lot of time arguing about different diet styles and training and the, the angle of a lap pull down when it's like, we need people to go to the gym three days a week, four days a week. Like it's okay. Like if for your hypertrophy purposes, you have your preference, but most people just need to actually go strength train. So that's part of the problem. And then on more we really focus largely on the functional health and integrative health side of things today, which I'm sort of trying to uh, kind of carve like our own definition of how to do that responsibly and appropriately without setting clients back any further. So if any of that resonated with you, obviously most of my content is geared towards helping people in that capacity and have upwards of like 500 podcasts that you can dive into to start um, at no cost to you. And then loads of other information on social media, um, as well as the book that I shared, and then the program, which is uh, the work that I'm currently doing with Marissa as well, which is FNMS um, inside of metabolism school. Love it. Um, no, I, there's a lot, there's a lot in there that um, obviously we agree with. And I think just to kind of cap it all off, you know, the thing that I love the most about how you guys have integrated into like our practice with our clients is that everything has made sense. It's not, it's never been like, okay, submitted the labs, 
got some feedback back and what are we doing? Like, it was always like, this is the logical next step, whether it is helping correct a vitamin or nutrient deficiency or um, lowering inflammation because the inflammation marker was high or, um, you know, just doing the things that like, once you have the education naturally makes sense to do versus like feeling like something just came smack dab out of left field with some crazy laundry list of supplementation. And I've been able to cross compare between practitioners before I actually started with you guys, I was like using someone else to help. And it's like same client, same issues, two completely different protocols, same, like same thing with your training analogy. Um, and so I think it's just like, how do we use that information and what biases are the coaches carrying and what beliefs do they have around like how someone should be helped and like, what are the motivations behind it? Are we peddling our own supplements or are we really just trying to help a person? So, um, yeah, just appreciate you guys and everything that you do, Sam. And, uh, it's, I think you wrapped it up perfectly with the plug for your book and your resources, but, um, where can people find you on social media? Sure. So I'm at Samler science on basically every major platform, samlerscience.com. I also have program information there as well at the book, which I shared as metabolism made simple. But for anyone listening, just would encourage you to start with no cost content, kind of like the conversation we had in today's podcast, which would largely be uh, my podcast and Instagram. I also have some different like free video series and downloads. Uh, if you are a health professional and you happen to listen to Marissa and Christina, and I appreciate you guys giving me the platform to share about this and talk about this. You guys ask great questions. And I think we share a lot of the same frustrations in the situation you described with you know, two different protocols or things being provided for a given client, right? And it's like, people get so caught up in the importance and value of their protocol when it, it's like words on a piece of paper, what matters is the client who's receiving it and their ability to actually apply it in their life. So it's not that like, every supplement on the piece of paper is wrong or bad. It's just using the right tool at the right time for the right client. Whereas I see a lot of these providers and probably some of the situation you're describing. It's like if you had a toolbox for a home renovation project and you just turn the toolbox upside down, dump everything out at once. And you're like, okay, cool. Like, let's go. We've got, you know, we're just going <laughs> to use all these different things at the same time versus having a bit of a step-by-step -step methodology, knowing what to do and preventing overwhelm. Because if your clients never used a drill before and they've only used a hammer and you literally pour out the entire toolbox, like they're going to be overwhelmed and probably confused and frustrated, not to mention the financial stress of buying the all the different things that we were just talking about. So I appreciate your curiosity, skepticism, and savvy around the particular topics and how you've integrated it with your past background of personal training and evidence-based nutrition and health. Um, and your, your questions as well, Christina, as well as sharing the postpartum journey. I think a lot of women go through that and have questions about thyroid health, or they don't know what prolactin levels are when you're breastfeeding and how that impacts your mood or your menstrual cycle or fertility. And I think education and awareness around that is so important. And so even a women's health coach, simply being able to guide someone through that conversation to then talk to their doctor can be so, so powerful. So lots of really great examples of why this matters. And um, Marissa, I appreciate you creating that contrast and clarity for the listeners in terms of maybe how we think about things is slightly different from other professionals. And we still have the same goals of helping someone, but just doing so um, in a slightly different way without maybe the ulterior motives of whether it's pushing other products or programs or protocols that have some sort of other derivative benefit to it, uh, which is why I felt it's been really important for me to kind of move out of the way in regards to the mentorship and education that we provide. So rather than me trying to also simultaneously 
you know, do a bunch of other tangents that are related to your coaching uh, with some sort of monetary angle to it, largely just being able to say, okay, this is my experience that I've had. How can I provide that to you in the most condensed way possible and efficient way possible so that you can then go um, take that information and then help someone who's actually experiencing the problem. So really appreciate you having me on today. Um, and for anyone interested, obviously shared some different content and platforms where you can find me. Um, that's pretty much it. But I do have, there's probably days worth of podcast episodes. If you yeah. <laughs> have anything you want to learn, I promise you it's in there. And before anyone DMs me uh, asking about a particular episode, I don't have the numbers and titles memorized, unfortunately. I don't know if you guys ever get those questions where people are like, oh, what episode did you talk to Dr. Eric Helms, right? And you're like, uh. That one I know, because uh, it's one of our most popular, but I okay. started losing count of like topic to episode number, probably once we got past 100. Yeah, I feel like once you're past 100, it's super hard. And I really mean well yeah. for people, but sometimes I get DMs <laughs> and I'm like, it's somewhere in the 200s, but I really couldn't tell you. I'm like, I think it was like August 2021, <laughs> if you go back, but not 100% sure. So I'm glad I'm not the only one experiencing that right now. But appreciate you guys having me on today and really great conversation. I may actually replay some different segments from this too for people to listen to. Heck yeah. That'd be great. And that was an awesome little wrap-up summary that you had at the end for us. <laughs> um, but we'll make sure all of your information is in the show notes. Um, and guys, we hope that you enjoyed this episode. And if you haven't already, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. You can find both of us on Instagram. You can find me at Christy Lynn Fit and Marissa is at Marissa Roy Fitness. Thank you guys so much for listening. And we hope to see you back next week. Thank you so much for listening to the Barbell Lifestyle Podcast, and we hope you enjoyed this episode and learned something from it. Please remember that Christina and I are not medical professionals, so if you're going to make any changes to your exercise or nutrition routines, please consult with your doctor or medical team first. Finally, we would love you even more than we already do if you took the time to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Ratings and reviews are how this podcast moves up the ranks and becomes accessible to even more people. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next Tuesday here at the Barbell Lifestyle Podcast.